Hello and welcome back. This is episode five of the Bald Bull and Gold podcast. I am Alex Donovan, joined as always by Ian Waller and Tom Slevin. We're super excited. We have a great show for you guys. And the main reason for that is Notre Dame football is back. Big game this week against Florida State. And having Notre Dame football back on Saturday kind of feels like throwing on your favorite hat before tailgate. It's acceptable. It feels right. And most of all, covers the void, whether that's a bald spot or whether that's just not being able to watch the Irish play on Saturday. Uh, Like I said, we have a great show for you guys. We're going to recap another great week of college football, kind of talk about, you know, we're starting to see some contenders. We're starting to see some pretenders. Cough, cough, the Big 12. Uh, We'll preview the game against Florida State, give our keys to the game, and then finally, we'll end with our picks for the week. All right, let's get started. So yes, the Irish are back, but before we get into that and previewing Florida State and actually being able to talk about watching Irish football again, uh, let's discuss last week's games. Uh, Once again, just awesome being able to watch college football around the country. I Personally, I don't even notice the Big Ten and Pac-12 being gone right now, but I thought you know a lot of what we said last week came true in terms of Big 12, frauds, SEC, good, yeah. I am for sure putting the fraud label on the on the Big Twelve. Uh, they are an absolute joke of a conference. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, just failure to play defense in any capacity uh, is astounding for a team that, that wants to compete for a playoff spot. Um, it's uh, that was it was almost alarming uh, with with how with how poorly everything went went in the Big Twelve uh, over the, over the weekend. But I agree also. I think it's a uh, Again, I, I prefer Notre Dame to be playing on Saturday, but there's something nice about being able to flip between the channels for the for the late for the last part of the twelve o'clock slate and and the, and the better part of the two thirty slate. So, I I don't think I'm even going to do the Big Twelve the benefit of giving them the fraud label because you're it's your fault if you ever believed in the Big Twelve. Like if they fooled you, that's that's on you because they have been awful from the get go. I mean, it started with Iowa State losing to. The, the Cajuns, but uh, I mean, that we, we're, we're Cajun fans in this podcast, so I guess we were maybe a little fooled there. But then after that, they're just terrible. They're just absolutely terrible. And I, I they're dead. They are dead. Because, I mean, who's going to win out for them? Oklahoma State? No shot. It sucks. You get, you, you, there's, some, there's just some talent stuck in there uh, behind, some pretty, behind some pretty pitiful defenses. Oh, um, yeah. But. Uh, on a brighter spot, the SEC uh, provided another fun fun weekend of football. 
Um, although those games, the, the marquee games, are not particularly close either. Yeah, so I'm going to be rooting for Florida to lose. Uh, they kind of the blowing the cover against South Carolina was pitiful, but at the <laughs> same time, I think they're a really good football team. I think it's the best Florida team, probably going back to. Yeah, it's only been they've only played two games, but I think we haven't seen a Florida offense this good since you know Tim Tebow was there. Right, uh, I, agree with that. I completely agree with that. Uh, Kyle Pitts had six touchdowns through his first six quarters of football, and as a tight end, that's crazy. Uh, their defense could use a little work. You know, they gave up points to Ole Miss, but I think a lot of teams will. Alabama looked like Alabama again; just absolutely rolled a And M. Uh, then I was also impressed with Georgia. So it's kind of my initial thoughts on the SEC. Georgia's, Georgia's defense is crazy good. They are scary, scary good. Um, I, I think they'll be held back a little bit until their offense can figure it out. But if they can get that offense clicking and the defense playing well at the same time, they're an absolute train. They're they're scary to deal with. Yeah, I definitely agree with the take that says that Florida is the best they've looked since since Tim Tebow. Uh, Trask, Trask is a night and day difference from what you had in Felipe Franks, um, and you got plenty of talent around him to me make them look really good. Um, also was super impressed with Georgia. Uh, they made us, they made us look pretty good. Uh, well, they made, they made Ian and I look pretty good um, with not even making close, close in the cover. Bang. Um, that defense looked really good. And, and, and since and Ben did enough to, to, to win that game pretty handily. Um, one more highlight from the SEC. Donna, this is a game you and I were on. We'll, we'll touch on this later, but all aboard the lane train. Yeah. Sink in the Wildcats in Lexington. Uh, what so a keep, BS loss for Kentucky, for Kentucky. Keep those powder blues hot. That's all I'm saying. What a BS loss. I mean, first of all, they were they were lucky. Kentucky was lucky to get it to overtime. But to lose on a missed extra point is so brutal for the other 89 guys on the roster. It's just so brutal all the time. And I was holding on hope. Yeah, you guys you guys picked you guys picked the powder blues in the lane train over Kentucky like me. But uh. I was holding on hope that Kentucky could get a stop and and still with a miraculous <laughs> cover. An overtime cover of five and a half would be so sweet. There is no stop in the lane train when it gets going. I'll tell you what game I'm looking forward to this year in the game I am going to obliterate the over in. Yeah, Mississippi State. The Egg Bowl? Oh, yeah, it's the Egg Bowl. Going to obliterate yeah, the, the Egg Bowl. Be awesome. Lane train versus-, versus Mike Leach. Come on. Come on! When that when that line when that line drops on Monday or sun, Sunday or Monday whenever whenever it drops on uh, on wherever you play, uh, it'd be foolish to not hop on it right at that point because you know it's only going to go up from there. Is that game next week? Not this Saturday, but the week after that. It's not this week. I think it might be the following Saturday. Wow! It's usually Thanksgiving weekends. So. Right. Right. Yeah, sure but it's that. all all those all those rivalry games get screwed up with with the, with the normal weekends. One thing, one team we haven't mentioned yet is uh, Tennessee. The Vols are undefeated. Yeah, uh, and, and they so. Yeah, they, they took care of Missouri, um, handled business there, but they're heading down to uh, Athens and got a matchup with the Bulldogs, which I don't think they'll be able to hang with, but I don't know. I mean, Tennessee, I don't want to say they're back, but we haven't seen them be relevant like this in the Jeremy Pruitt era, so just something, something to keep an eye on. I would say that that game looks a lot like um, Notre Dame's visit to Athens. Fairly low scoring. I think that Tennessee keeps it tight. I don't think they necessarily get blown out. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I could see that being 
being a uh, 10 point 10 point game ish um we'll, we'll be picking that game later but i think I, I think the volunteers will keep that a little tighter than auburn did mm-hmm. i think they're a better football team than auburn especially if they're gonna run the ball um which i think they'll do a lot of oh, i think georgia's We'll get to it later. I, I, I really like Georgia this year. I know I said Alabama this year might be closer to those old Alabama teams of the early 2010s. I think Georgia resembles them a lot as well. Uh, Stetson Bennett is literally like Southern quarterback name, fits in well with that old Alabama <laughs> vibe of, you know, back in the lips during the game. Players like that. If you had met, if you told me I met somebody named Stetson Bennett while I was walking around Athens, just walking into some frat or into Bar South. Um, just on the street, I think I would completely Bar believe South. you. Bar South, RIP Bar South. What a place, what an establishment. I mean, it's tough to really root against Georgia and especially pick against Georgia from a betting standpoint when you know that they've got an establishment like Bar South in that town. Yeah. Like if you have a Bar South, you're going to succeed. Yep. Um, yeah, but I also think that, you know, I, it was fun to watch the SEC all weekend, but truthfully, I think it kind of comes down to three teams. Uh, I think the SEC West has a lot of like good, not great teams, um, and the SEC East has a few good, not great teams. I think the great teams that have actually have a chance kind of is, is falling into place to be Alabama, Georgia, and and uh, and Florida for sure. And I I do think it'd be it'd be naive to us to completely forget about LSU though. Tough loss to Mississippi State, but Mississippi State went off in that game. I mean, I think LSU they rolled Vandy as they should. But I think if they can get them to the, like kind of find their identity as this new team, they definitely some a team to reckon with, and a, a, a team that can mess with the uh, the Georgia and the Bama, and maybe be a giant killer this year. Yeah, I agree with what you guys said. I think SEC, even though there is some competition, Tennessee, LSU, I think it's close. But I think three teams have separated those, themselves so far. I think it's similar in the ACC. I know Carolina and Virginia Tech are undefeated, but far and away the most most impressive teams have been Clemson, Miami, along with Notre Dame. We'll see what if Miami's for real this Saturday. But I think the middle of the ACC, more or less, is going to be kind of a shit show, kind of a mess. I think there's going to be a lot of teams beating up on each other, so we're going to see some weird scores. It'll be fun to gamble on, but overall, I think we're going to see a lot of teams close to you know that what would be seven and five, eight and four. I guess it's you know one game less than that either way this year. But overall, I think that the middle of the ACC, a lot of teams are pretty equal. Yeah, I think I think it gets pretty jumbled in there. I don't know what you think, Slev, but uh, I think once you drop past Clemson at the top. Notre Dame and Miami at tier two. You can maybe, I mean, you got North Carolina, Virginia Tech, they're undefeated in there. Um, but I think most of the, both of those teams are pretty unproven. Um, but they'll figure themselves out this weekend. But after that, it's it's not good, not really that good, not good, not good. Syracuse and Florida State. <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, I'd agree with that. I think until, until, somebody, until somebody being Notre Dame where Miami goes, it beats Clemson. Um, they they remain in the top tier, uh, just for not from an honesty perspective. Um, I think it'd be silly to, to think otherwise. Um, and I think Notre Dame and, and Miami still definitely share that second tier. Um, I hate to admit it, but Miami's played played really good ball so far. Um, you know, maybe not against the best of competition, but they've it, it, it has been close in the games that they've played. Um, so it's tough to argue otherwise. And then um, I think I would put a third tier in that right now holds UNC Virginia Tech. Uh, 
just as that they remain undefeated. But again, I think today, um, the Saturday proves to be another moving day in the ACC where we'll get a lot more clarity about who's a, who's a contender and who's a pretender and, and, and who's going to who's gonna be around uh, for a little bit longer. I personally have been fairly unimpressed uh, with, with the UNC team. Um, I think that I was expecting them to go in there and blow the doors off Boston College, not even really be a game, and, and they let Phil Jerkovic hang around. Um, so I was uh, I was underwhelmed there, but uh, I think that I'm I'm uh, cautiously optimistic about the Hokies though. Um, they get handed Hooker back, um, played played one of their games short, a bunch of guys uh, from COVID. So I'd, uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm kind of a, kind of kind of looking forward to to see what the Hokies can put on the field this weekend against uh, an allegedly pretty good Tar Heel team. We we really don't even know what Virginia Tech really is. They've they've survived. Uh, week after week, but they've just been ravaged by COVID. So their roster could look completely different week by week, and it has looked completely different week by week. So as they continue to get guys back, um, I'm not, I don't know if it's a given that it's going to take them to the next level, but I'm confident what that team can do when they're in t- when their whole roster is available. Yeah, yeah, I'd, uh, I I think I think the Soki team could be dangerous. Yeah, and they're one of the nation's leading team in rushing yards right now. They have a really good O-line. Uh, I think some of their backs have impressed. So definitely a team to watch, especially once they get back to full strength. Uh, this is just be a quick note, but I'm really disappointed in Pitt just because I know for a fact they're going to give Notre Dame a game. It's just what happens when we play Pitt every single year. I'd love for that to be like an exciting game for them to be, you know, ranked in top 20, but they're going to do what Pitt does, lose a bunch of games they shouldn't, you know, look terrible on one side of the ball, probably still have a dominant defense, hold Notre Dame to like 22 points, we'll sweat it out when 22-19 or something like that, and everyone's going to be like, why did Notre Dame struggle against Pitt? Well, we always struggle against Pitt. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. I think Pitt perennially thrives in the others receiving votes category. Like just outside the top twenty-five. That's their like you know how like that's their sweet theory, spot. Yeah, at, at Orange Theory, you got you got that one zone, the orange zone, where you're just absolutely mm-hmm. cooking. That's mm-hmm. them. Others receiving votes, and they're not the first top receiving votes. They're like the third one there. The yeah, third, get like, like yeah, they're not getting they're not getting like a hundred media votes. They're getting like thirty media votes, and it's a reluctant thirty because it's an ugly, yeah. ugly football team sometimes. Uh, those, those are ACC. Those are ACC writers that gave the thirty. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm with you, Dono. I, I wish that game was. It's acceptable for us to squeak by, like, and I'm guessing we probably will. But I, I wish because they beat, they beat some the people in the past that, and and early in our schedule that like they took out Louisville. Louisville could have been a a, a fun fun team for us to play undefeated. Like. They're gonna just gonna kind of make our schedule less exciting than it could be, and give us an unexciting, stressful, stressful football game. Yeah, that's a game I will probably take Pitt against a spread and the under because that's just what always happens. All right, should we move on to Irish football? That sounds great. Actually, real quick, can we touch on our our Mormons out west? Oh yeah, they were impressive. They're they're they have been. I I I I love this BYU team. I mean, they're absolutely electric. They're they're absolutely electric. They're so fun to watch. I mean, the first college football game that I watched all year was BYU just throat punching Navy up and down the field. Uh, they have a quarterback, Zach Wilson. I've been seeing. Uh, he's gotten a lot of love on Twitter in terms of 
you know, is he going to be a first round quarterback even? Uh, he's putting up big numbers. I just saw on Vegas right now, he's the sixth highest odds to win the Heisman Trophy. So that's something to watch for. Uh, I don't think their schedule's too hard right now. I know because they're not playing any of the Pac-12 teams out West because they're not yeah. playing any conference. So, you know, they're a dark horse team for the playoff even. I think they uh, I think they, they kind of got screwed a little bit. Um, I think they're a really good football team, but their schedule's just going to kind of hold them back. Uh, I mean, they've absolutely deleted everyone that stepped onto the field with them. They've outscored opponents. It's like one – 148 to like 24, I think it is. 148 to 24. Um, and I think they've got 10 games on their schedule, and maybe the most notable of those is Boise State. So I think they're a really good football team, but I would really, I really struggle to see them actually contending for a college playoff spot, given, given just their schedule doesn't allow for it. Barring anybody, barring anybody, barring a bunch of people getting, having coming in with two losses in, in the middle of December. Uh, I do not see a spot for for an undefeated BYU team uh, whatsoever. But I will say this: I like them a lot. I like watching them play football, um, and they saved they saved my weekends my my uh, my weekends quite a few times. It was last week or week before that they uh, they allowed me to, to to make up some ground uh, with with a with a nice Saturday night cover. We don't yeah, have the Pac twelve. We don't have the Pac. We don't have the Pac twelve games to do it, but we do have uh, BYU to do it if they're playing from Utah. Uh, late night, so that was. Uh, I appreciate them for that, and I think Zach Wilson has looked really good. Um, the problem is that they're not the best kept secret in Vegas anymore because um, they owe, they're now at thirty four and a half point favorites tonight right. uh, for this for this weekend. So uh, it's going to be tougher to take them, but who knows? We'll see. I mean, they are they are a ritualistic chase team. It's like eleven yep. a, or eleven p.m. on a Saturday. You're like, yeah, didn't go yeah. great. I can salvage it with a little Zach Wilson magic here. And sure. then it, you you've covered by the second quarter. You're like, oh, that, mm-hmm. all right, that was kind of sweet. And then hell, why not double down in the second half? <laughs> that that foot stays on the gas. It, 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 but that's that's the that's the point that they, that's also another good thing to capitalize on is they don't have they don't have room to to not throttle teams. So right. that second half that second half thing becomes pretty attractive often. So all right, let's talk some Irish. All right. Now that we've finally, you know, talked about all the games around the country, it was fun, you know, like we've said. You know, sit down on Saturdays, you know, relax, crack a beer, not be stressed out. I'm ready to feel stressed again, even though Notre Dame, you know, this should be a huge game. Notre Dame's playing Florida State. It's a night game. It's on NBC. Should be packed Notre Dame Stadium. But this is 2020. It's a completely different world. Florida State has... Struggled, but they are coming off a huge emotional victory, comeback win, down two touchdowns against Jacksonville State from the FCS. <laughs> yeah, this is not your father's Florida State team, so uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like Notre Dame should blow them out, but there is a lot of talent on you know Florida State side of the ball. There might be, you know, according to recruiting rankings, just as talented as the Irish, if not more so. I am not. Uh, I am not worried by the Florida State Seminoles uh, in the slightest. Uh, I think they're they should be they should be disgusted with the way they played in the first half against Jacksonville State. Um, they couldn't they couldn't hold Jacksonville State's jockstrap in the first half. Um, so I uh, I think that they obviously looked better in the second half. Uh, did a good job coming back. Uh, they do have talent uh, in certain spots. I thought Jordan Travis coming back in for the, uh, for the Noles. We're coming in for, for the second half of the Noles look, look pretty good. 
Um, and you got guys like Asante Samuel Jr. And who's the who's the big guy up front? Is it uh, Marvin Wilson? Marvin Wilson. Like there are spots where they can be successful, but they're not a complete enough team to to hang with Notre Dame. Um, I will be I will be pretty frustrated if if Notre Dame doesn't win this by by a lot. I think I think it is a a key example in why coaching matters in college football. And I know I know Mike Norvell t- like, like took over a tough situation, but yeah, Donald, you mentioned they have they have and they still do recruit very well, but they haven't been able to develop that talent or put that talent in a position to succeed on the football field. And I mean, Willie Taggart just that guy just fails upward. I don't I mean I don't understand it, but. It, it uh he he really kind of put that that whole program in a tough spot and Mike Norvell came in and I'm not convinced that he's really won this locker room over. So you said it, Donald. They have talent, but this team does not scare me at all. Well, this is Mike Norvell's first game back on the sideline after he's recovered from COVID, so that could change everything for this team. But no, I I agree with you. I don't think that. Uh, I, I'm not sold on Mike Norvell as a coach, especially after I saw stuff. There's a bunch of stuff on Twitter that came out this summer. The yeah. players were saying, you know, they weren't adhering to the protocols that they should have been. You know, he there was rumors about him like almost losing the team, stuff like that. And then as a first year coach, you don't want to see that. Also, he taught Chip Long apparently everything when they were at Memphis together. Uh, and people who taught Chip Long how to coach college football aren't good coaches in my book yeah I'm, I'm with you like taught him what that's a great take uh, yep taught him what i'm confused uh scheme wise but i think that also helps notre dame you know they know chip Long's scheme they probably watched a ton of film on him before they hired him i think for the most part they're running a lot of the same stuff that he was running at memphis uh jordan travis you know he's been the best quarterback they have but is he good who knows uh, you know, he might be the best quarterback Notre Dame has faced so far. Maybe Chase Bryce is a little better, but either way, that's not saying much. Uh, they do have probably have the best skill guys Notre Dame has faced for sure, but honestly, I don't think their O-line is even as good as Duke's, and I think that plays to our strengths. I agree. I think Notre Dame's going to absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm very confident in the offensive line for, for, for Notre Dame. Um, I'm equally as confident in the defensive line. I think that Florida State uh, – will not be able to do what a generic offense would like to do as far as running the ball um, with zone reads and stuff like that and, and setting up play action and taking sh- – like I think they'll, they're, they're, they'll try to take their shots, but I think that Florida State is going to be forced to get really creative um, t- to try and find ways to get their, their playmakers in space and get them the ball. Um, and I think that so long as the Notre Dame defensive line keeps the pressure up um, and the linebackers move sideline to sideline pretty well, uh, I, don't see, I don't see why this would be any issue. Uh, for for a pretty stout Notre Dame defense, I think you know I'd, I'd look out for a lot of screens and RPOs and misdirections and, and, and garbage like that because I don't think they'll be able to play straight up with, with with the Notre Dame defense whatsoever. I'm with you. I think I think Marvin Wilson can do he can, he can do some damage a little bit, penetrate caught, like disrupt some things that we may want to do and we might have to game plan around him a little bit. But he's just one guy, and overall we're we're just more talented on that side on both sides of the ball uh, in the trenches. But I like Florida State. I'm I'm confident they're just not a good football team. They are underprepared coming to coming to play Georgia Tech Week One after an entire summer to get ready for them. And it'd be different if they were a, a top team. They just got caught sleeping against Jacksonville State. I mean, they were zero two. They needed a win against Jacksonville State, and they were losing. 
a, a large portion of that game. I think Jacksonville State just hung with them as a football team. I, I just don't think they're that talented. Playing Tamari on Terry on, on the outside is intriguing because we haven't played an athlete like him all year, and hopefully it's a good test for our, our guys on the outside defensively. Um, but I just look for us to be flex our muscles as a program over this, this weekend Florida State program. From the top down, Brian Kelly, the assistant coaches, and, and on the field, I just want us to absolutely dominate them all on all facets of the game. Yeah, it'll be interesting, obviously, without being able to practice for 10 days or two weeks or however long it was in between the Irish were actually able to put pads on to hit each other. I think there might be a little bit of rust in that first quarter. Maybe they get caught, linebackers get caught with eyes in the backfield or, you know, Ian Book misses a few passes here and there. I think, you know, after that first quarter, it's football. We're the better coach team. Then we roll. But one thing that we're going to start here on the podcast, uh, just going around kind of as a way to preview the game, uh, pretty much we're going to each say three things that we want to see on Saturday from the Irish that will constitute a victory. Uh, so do either of you want to start this? Yeah, I can go ahead. Uh, just one thing before we move on, I think that I, I would I would agree with Donna that you can expect to see some rust from Notre Dame in the first quarter, but I think that Brian Kelly made a really smart call um, in getting in getting his guys uh, an air squad scrimmage in on Sunday. Um, I think that was that was pretty smart. Uh, you just practice drills do not replicate um, do not replicate game speed at all, and, and not that not that a scrimmage does that exactly, but I think that's a really good step forward and and hopefully getting ahead of that rust and making this more of a normal game week. Um, rather than one that's coming off of essentially two buys or two and a half, you know, two or three weeks off. So I uh, just want to make that make that point there. But as far as things to watch for me, are we going to do all three at once or we want to do one at a time and, and rotate through? Why not do all three at once? Just run down your list and then prediction. Right. Okay. I think that for me, um, for me, I think that, the, the number one thing to watch is going to be Tamari and Terry uh, against the Notre Dame secondary. Uh, I think that he will see a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of double coverage and a lot of, uh, or a lot of single coverage with the safety at the top. But um, I think it'd be, it'll be very intriguing to see how he, how the Notre Dame cornerbacks kind of stand up to, to somebody who, who is as good and as proven as Tamari and Terry, uh, especially if Jordan, if they feel like Jordan Travis can get, can get, can get him the ball. Um, the second thing I'm gonna I'm gonna look to watch and and I'm excited for for the game is to see Notre Dame's offensive line dominate the line scrimmage. Um, I don't necessarily need, for my personal opinion, I don't necessarily see, need to see Ian Book throw for four touchdowns or for five touchdowns. Um, what would be more satisfying for me is that against a pretty pretty big and skilled defensive line to see us run for 250 yards or for 300 yards on the ground. Uh, between a stable between a stable running backs behind uh, what I believe is the best offensive line in the country and happens to be what pro, pro, pro football focus thinks the best offensive line in the country too by quite by quite some margin. So uh, that'll be my second thing. And then the third thing is the, uh, what I'm excited to see is, is the return of Kevin Austin. Um, I know I just touched on the run game and I said I don't need Book to throw for four or five touchdowns, but I would like to see um, what Kevin Austin's going to be able to bring back to this offense. Uh, he's an extremely dynamic player and getting him back in the receiving core is going to be extremely important. Kelly said to look for him for 15 to 20 snaps, um, you know, would be good to just see him get his legs under him and, and, and continue to build on that snap count um, for the next few games. Uh, but I'm very excited to have him back. Would love to see him. Uh, would love to see what he, what he's bringing back as a route front route runner. If you get the chance to get him in space, see what he can do there. 
Yeah, Slav, you touched on three aspects that I also kind of want to touch on, but for different reasons. Um, so you, you mentioned Tamari Ontario and, and the way he will test our, our secondary. I almost want us, if we're in a position to do so, put our guys out on an island with them and, and let Tariq Bracey, let Nick McLeod maybe try to win against him one-on-one. Um, you're throwing you know, a, a, an inexperienced quarterback in there that uh, – I don't think we'll be able to get him the ball as, as easy as he would like. And I think giving our guys the chance to win that battle one-on-one, and yeah, probably giving safety top over the help or safety help over the top, but giving our guys the chance to win that battle could really kind of establish some, some, lo- some lasting effects that, 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 that can prepare us down the road. Because when we play Clemson, and, and, and the season isn't all about Clemson, but right now for me it kind of is. We're going to need to be able to handle guys like that because every single one of their skill guys is Tamari Ontario. So I, I think we're, our guys are going to be able to need to win some of those battles. So I think the the way we deal with Tamari Ontario will be very interesting. Um, second thing, I also want to focus on the offensive line and also also the running back core. Um, I want us I want us to be able to run the ball when everybody knows we're about to run the ball. If it's third and one, third and short, or first and ten. Um, I want to, if they're stacking the box, to just run at them and, and be able to successfully do that. Because um, I think that'll kind of be our our identity as an offense going forward is being able to run the ball, um, and then that'll open up some things in the passing game. And I guess my third thing there is our receivers getting open on their own to make things easier for Ian Book. Um, not having Ian Book have to do so much work just to get our receivers the ball. Let's have a receiver, whether it's Kevin Austin, whether it's Braden Lindsay against Asante Samuel Jr. One of them just beat somebody, get open with a crisp route, and make it easy for your quarterback to get you the ball as an athlete in space. So those are three things that I want to see. Um, but ultimately, I just want to see us blow the doors off them. Yeah, and going third here, I think you guys have hit on my two main points, I guess. Uh, I think we mentioned earlier that this is – a game that's going to show where these two programs are. And right now it's pretty clear in terms of what these programs have done over the last three, four years that Notre Dame, as it stands on October 7th, 2020 is a much better program by Florida state. And honestly, it's not close. And that's because Notre Dame has an identity. And with this team, it's the big guys up front. It's the tight ends. It's the running backs. And that's how it is on offense. So I'd say, yeah, I think Slavin, you said 250 to 300. I'll put it. If Notre Dame rushes for over 250 yards, I'm a happy man. I want to see them. You know, we've been kind of the coaches have hinted at it in their press conferences. They're like, yeah, we're going to keep coming with the two tight end sets. We're going to come at you. Like Ian said, just one. I want to see us run the ball when we, when everyone knows we're running. I think that's the kind of team we need to be. Uh, the next, Ian, you also hit on this. Uh, I think with Kevin Austin back, fully healthy Braden Lindsay, Ben Skoranek back. I'd also love to see what these guys got. Uh, this is a team, you know, I, there's only so many plays in the game. It's going to be hard to you know, hit all these offensive goals because I don't want Ian Book throwing it a ton of times in this game. But I'd love to see him try to take the top off of defense. I know Skoranek might be, not be that guy, but Lindsay and Kevin Austin are. So if we pass the ball, if we have two 40-plus yard completions, and this isn't, you know, throwing it to Kyron, dumping it off for – screen this is you know taking a shot ball travels more than 20 30 yards downfield let your guys run under it see if they can make a play and then finally uh, a staple of Clark Lee's defenses has been that uh, we almost led the nation in uh, forced fumbles and fumble recoveries last year 
And this year we really haven't seen a ton of turnovers through the first two games. Uh, you know, there's a fumble recovery against Duke. Uh, South Florida, honestly, was just terrible. I'm surprised we didn't get more. But I'd love to see two turnovers caused by the defense. I'd love to see them happen early. I'd love to see them happen on crucial downs like third down. Just kind of crushes Florida State's morale and you know, helps us at least set the tone on defense for the game. You know, If they're out of this game early, I think they fold. We just don't want to let a team with this much talent hang around in the end. Yeah, that's what happened last time they came to South Bend. Um, I mean, this isn't South Bend, but uh, last time we played them, they they fumbled early. Cam Akers was absolutely squabbled, so uh, those turnovers helped us. Dotto, how do you want to see those turnovers happen? Because for me, I want to see Clark Lee let our let our defensive ends and, and our outside edge rushers just absolutely go after this offensive line and try to get to the quarterback. Yeah, I'd love to see a strip sack. Their O-line's bad. They'll have the opportunity to get there. The next, I want to see Cal Hamilton. I think if they try to test him over the top, I think – They'll, they will take deep shots throughout this game. They have skill guys. Uh, I think Kyle Hamilton's the best center fielder in college football. So good yeah. luck. Yeah, exactly. Um, a fourth thing I wanted to touch on is uh, just the Asante Samuel uh, Jr. and Braden Lindsay matchup. I wish we had a mic on one of those guys to just gather some of the trash talk pre and pre and post play because I think they could be chirping all day. If, if, if Asante's following Braden, that could be an interesting matchup, just a fun one to watch. Yeah, if NBC knows what's good for them, they'll uh, they'd, they'd they'd put it they'd clip a mic to to somebody's shoulder pads down there. Uh, the last thing, also, I wanted to touch on is uh, just be mindful this weekend for Notre Dame. I think you see Notre Dame going with a lot of hard counts, um, a lot of long hard counts. The Florida State the interesting tidbit here: Florida State Seminoles are six, ranked sixty fifth out of seventy three eligible teams uh, for penalties and yardage uh, this this year. Um, quite undisciplined. Uh, so I would love to see us pick up some free yards uh, as that, well. I could that's see. great research, Slevin. Well done. Yeah, nice, nice little tidbit. I, I, I picked, I picked up from an article today. So uh, yeah, they're uh, they're 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 pretty undisciplined, and I think that's also just a result of them um, of, of Norvell not really having a, a solid grasp grasp on the uh, on the rest of the locker room, but just something else to watch for this weekend. I can see them I can see them being north of ten penalties for hundred yards, especially if the game gets out of hand. Yeah, I think we pretty much feel same way, and we'll do we can do actual score predictions when we do our picks at the end of the podcast. Uh, so for now, um, let's move on to Q and A. I think this has been really good. We've got some really good questions from you guys. Once again, you know, we try to get to these. We're going to keep it shorter this week just because we have a game to talk about. Uh, but I can start here. I see one that I like. Um, so this is. From Ivan Volner, one of our listeners, uh, he asks, if you could pick one former Notre Dame player to add to this year's team, who would it be and why? Ian, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll just say first, Ivan, thanks for tuning in. Um, I think Ivan might actually, actually ask the question last week. Um, I don't know if it's exactly this team. I mean, it is It is perfect for this team, but also this might be my answer to any team. I got to go Jeff Samarja in that one. Uh, I think if you add Jeff Samarja, <laughs> sorry, and if you if you add Jeff Samarja to this team and you actually add a downfield re- receiving threat like the Shark, I mean we are we're going to win eighteen games even though there's only fourteen on the schedule. Jeff Samarja is that elite, and, and we also don't like who on this team has hair like Jeff Samarja. There's just so many things that he could add to this team. Yeah, I'd uh, I think my answer was Jeff Samarja, with my backup answers being Will Fuller. 
Um, just as another downfield threat. I know he kind of provides some of the speed that Lindsey provides, but I think at a, at a higher skill level. Um, and then uh, and then Claypool too. I don't think you have quite the. I don't think anybody matches up as quite the threat that he that, that he was over the last few years. So my my definite answer is, is Samarja. Um, thanks for thanks for snagging that right right from me. And I thought it was, I Tim thought Brown. I was, Tim Brown would be another one, but I want I want I want the shark uh, honestly. Um, I'm, I thought I was getting cute by going back a little further than I thought everybody else would, but that's uh, that's okay. Do you do you, who do you like? So one of the biggest question marks, you know, we were more or less children at the time, but of the last twenty years in Notre Dame football, is what would Jimmy Clausen have done if he had coaching and talent around him? <laughs> I think it's, it's, a good it's pretty one. clear he was a five-star California kid. I think in terms of just quarterback measurables, he outperforms Ian Book in almost every category. Maybe Ian's a little more mobile. But, I mean, his deep ball was pretty. And that's one area Ian has really struggled. He can sling it. You're not going to worry about someone who can push the ball downfield who's afraid to take shots, which sometimes is a criticism on Book. Uh, I'd love to see in a, you know, this year with. Kevin Austin, you know, I know it's not the most talented Notre Dame receiver core ever, but in terms of tight ends and running backs and an O-line that can actually protect a defense that will get you the ball back in three plays a lot of times, uh, I think Jimmy Clausen would be really, really fun to watch in this offense. I think Kelly and uh, Tommy Reese would love to coach him. Uh, I, I think if you had him at quarterback, we'd be looking at – a higher ceiling. It would definitely elevate the ceiling of this team. I think it might lower the floor a tad bit just because he was a little more aggressive than Book. But I think the ceiling of this team would be damn near at those Clemson, Alabama, Georgia levels. Here's another question we could just real quick tie off this. If you had to pick a defensive player to bring back, uh, who would you who would you bring back? I'd say Jalen. I think I don't know if we'd put him at Rover, but if we lined up Jalen and Wu next to each other. At linebacker, I don't think there's a better combination in the country. You know, more and more we're seeing teams try to get their playmakers in space. If you have two linebackers that can run like that and can cover like that, uh, as well as tackle, I think you know, Notre Dame's defense. You know, you have the safety valve and Kyle Hamilton over the top. You're blitzing Wu. You, you're blitzing Jalen. It gives you so many options on that defense. Yeah. Um, Slev, I'll let you go because I stole yours last time. Okay, well, D stole mine this time, but I I truly think that Jalen Smith is, is is the right answer, um, okay. for sure. Um, no disrespect to Drew White and the rest of the the linebacking group, but I think having him and Wu on the field would be really really something special. Um, but I think other answers you could have given uh, would include uh, Matt Taitao. Um, I think having Harrison Smith or Tom Zubikowski to partner with. Um, Sorry if I if I just stole your team. But yeah, if you had, stole mine for sure. If you had one of those two back there to partner up with with Kyle Hamilton, um, I think that would be pretty cool as well. Uh, but yeah. those are sorry, sorry not about that. that. Not, not really. I, I was probably going to go with Harrison Smith. Um, I think I'll, I'll maybe go with Stefan to it, um, and that could be a little yeah. bit of bias, seeing how dominant he is in the NFL right now. Um, you mean Isaiah Foskey? They're the same player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they really. They are. Um, they, they are the the seven number. Um. But I'm also picking Stefan to it because the face mask is just so so absolutely threatening. Uh. But he just was so disruptive up the middle, and I think he would probably get Ade and Dalen going a little bit. Um. So I go Stefan to it. 
I think some player that we did mention that I think fills a hole in this defense that I, I don't think we think of him, you know, as an old player because he's our age. Is Julian Love. Julian Love, baby. J Love. For sure. For sure. Kamari Russell yeah, also. Would, yeah, he would fill they those two both would fill, you know, corner. We still don't know a lot. If we had one of those guys to just lock a guy down. Julian was Julian's one of the guys like I can't remember a guy before Julian that went after three years. I mean, he's one of the more talented guys we had come through um, that was able to just make plays right when he got on campus. Yeah. Good question, Yvonne. Good question. Very good question, Yvonne. All right. Can I pick one? Yep. Go ahead, Slav. All right. I think this one is one that we got today from from frequent listener Retro Sports Guy on Twitter. Um, Really good follow if you don't follow him. Uh, Really good. Really good content always. But he asks – you're stranded on a desert. He posed the situation. You're stranded. You're stranded on a desert island. You can bring one recording of an ND game to watch, one current player, uh, one current player with you, and one coach uh, and one coach, current or past, to hang out with. Who do you choose and why, fellas? So I, I saw this one. We posted this one on our Instagram story because Retro Sports Guy was so quick to uh, answer the question on Twitter. Dude's remarkable in his timing. Um, so I, I'd say one recording. So this past Saturday, uh, once I got back from hanging out with some of my fellow, some of my friends threw on the old, uh, Catholics or convicts documentary. And I think, you know, it's hard for us to understand because we weren't alive, just how big that game was and how many moments, how many momentum swings were in the fourth quarter of that game. So, I'd go with the 88 Catholics versus convicts game just because, you know, I think there's a lot you could learn from that game, seeing all the fans come on the field at the end is awesome. And, you know, maybe being able, I don't know when I started this recording, you know, back in the day I used to do it on those uh, VCR tapes. If I started it for the college football preview show before, just having the hype build into that as well, that would be sweet. Ah, uh, one current player. This one was interesting question. Uh, retro sports guy, you know, he does a good job posing these questions. I would say that the one player I would go with today is Kurt Heinisch. I think he's a guy, he gives off very outdoorsy vibe. You know, I told that story of him being at Noose and nothing but overalls. I think he could survive on that desert island. He would help me out. I think he's just kind of a funny guy if you listen to any of his interviews. Then one coach, current or past. This is a personal one for me. I'd pick Jerry Faust because he coached at Moeller, which is my high school's biggest rival, and I would just shit talk him about St. X. Even though he wasn't a great Notre Dame football coach, I just want to know how much he recruited back in the day to cheat to win those state titles. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's yeah. a great question. Seems like uh, you, you prepared for that one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, the game that I've recorded and I'll record and bring there. I'm going to go with uh, 1989, number one Notre Dame versus uh, number two Michigan. A 24-19 win for the Irish. Um, a Rocket Ishmael kick return um, touchdown. And this is actually the day of my parents' wedding, which is kind of a fun fact. Um, so the groomsmen, one of the gifts from the other groomsmen was a little personal TV so that they could watch the game up at the altar. So they all had uh, little mini TVs in their uh, tuxedos during this game. And I would just love to know what they are watching um, and just kind of see how that, that game play out. Um, so if I'm stranded on a desert island, that might be one that get, gets me in the fields. Um, number two, current player, 
I'd have to go with uh, my boy Xavier Lazinski, who's uh, the sixth strength tight end. Uh, just an absolute great guy, conversationalist. He's been, me through th- been with me through thick and thin. Um, and just as a sixth string tight end on this team, he's been through adversity. You know, he's been the underdog before. Um, so I think he'd come with the right mindset of doing what you need to do for the team on, on that desert island. Because um, in that situation, I'm probably the Michael Mayer. He's the, you know, he's the backup. So I think that'd be a good power dynamic to establish there. Um, and then current or past coach, I'd have to go with Clark Lee, I think, because we'd, we'd probably scheme our way off that island if he's with us. He'd figure something out. He's too good of a coach to let us stay, to let us stay there. I think that was a a very good a very good answer. Um, so for my for my answer as far as what game I'd pick to watch, um, or bring or recording to bring with me, I'd pick 2012 Stanford. Um, that's for sure my favorite game ever. I think uh, just the the, uh, the the goal line stand in the pouring rain um, on on your way to an undefeated season was for sure my favorite game. So when I originally read this question for part two, I thought it said past or past or present um so i'll give both uh real quickly my 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 past player was mike gold jr for sure wasn't even close um i think that guy's a riot uh very good on twitter very good on espn um but my current player for sure is brock Wright. um talk about somebody who brings their lunch pail to work every day um just as a great blocking tight end that he is uh plus being uh the country boy that that i know he is uh, I feel like he'd be able he'd bring some good survival survival hunting skills to the island um, and 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 would be a very helpful asset um, and is a good person to hang out with. So for sure, bring in uh, Brock with me. Hope he doesn't mind. And then we're going uh, past your current uh, past your current coach. Um, I would like to bring uh, Lou Holtz. Uh, I think he's got a lot of interesting stories. as much of a nut as he is, I think he'd keep things pretty entertaining. So I'll go with uh, I'll go with Coach Holtz. Uh, really interesting squad that I'm bringing to to this deserted island with with yeah, one that's hell of a football, that's with, an eclectic bunch for sure. Yeah, with one hell of a football game to watch. <laughs> so I guess a right. uh, great question, retro sports guy. And my question is from another one of our listeners, uh, Mr. Danny Felton. Uh, Danny, thanks for asking this question. His question is, um, if we had to figure out who retro sports guy is, how would we describe him um, as a listener? So I think we're just, just kind of trying to identify who we think retro sports guy is. Um, Donna, do you have any ideas? Yeah. So, you know, we look at him. He's one of our Twitter followers. Don't really know where he came from. His picture is, looks like an old 1970s Notre Dame helmet with a Xavier logo photoshopped on it. Mm, interesting. interesting. Maybe maybe he was a guy who either went to Notre Dame or Xavier. Xavier stopped playing football in 1973. Maybe he's just confused and couldn't find a Xavier helmet anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but his bio is Godfather of Three, waiting on the woman to change me. Dot dot mm-hmm. dot. So appears he's single. Uh, probably one of those guys that really involves himself in the sports, but also music. Uh, his Twitter header is, you know, there's that meme going around of Bill Clinton holding everyone's favorite album. His Twitter header is Bill Clinton holding Rihanna's Good Girl Gone Bad album. Um, So it appears we have quite the eccentric guy, you know, for a guy who it appears might have gone to college around the 70s. His favorite album being by, you know, Rihanna. 
I think that's surprising. I think he's eccentric. It appears he's locked into the show. And honestly, I love his participation. I, you know, he's giving some great questions. Keep it up, retro sports guy. Yeah, I, I agree. I would, like, I, I would love to grab a beer with retro sports guy. Would you, Ian? I think so too. I think so too. I think where I would grab a beer with him, would, I'd probably leave it up to him because he, he strikes me as a guy that probably is known around town. Um, yeah, he, know, know, he knows he, his spot. Yeah, yeah, he's got a joint um, that he walks into, and it, you know, it's it's Norm walking into Cheers. It's retro sports guy walking into his favorite barbecue joint. Um, so sure. I think I think he's got his spot. So I think I'd probably, if I were to hang out with him, I'd probably just go. You know what? Here are the keys. Let let's have a night. You know, and just let him, show me your ways, retro sports guy. I let him drive it for the night. I love it, retro sports guy. He's the type of guy to walk into a bar and the bartenders just get him the usual. For yeah, sure. he's a usual order guy. I mean, and then he just points at the points at the jukebox, and it's Disturbia. You know, it's just <laughs> absolutely automatic Rihanna. Keep it up, retro sports guy. I know you. Yeah, I'm glad we got a little more insight into who retro sports guy. So I think that question's been that's a frequent question we get asked. All right, do you guys want to do some picks? Yeah, let's do some picks and let's get out of here. So. Right, Start with those eight, Slevin. Want to give us a rundown real quick of uh, which six we're doing, or where is which five plus lock? Yeah. So last week, just uh, just a quick reminder from from our week six, our week five pick them. Uh, we all did pretty well. Um, Ian, you Ian, you broke the five hundred mark. Donna, you're at five hundred, and I improved from four and eight to, to eight and ten um, with some big wing big wins from uh, Georgia. Um, Alabama. We all lost on the Navy midshipmen, unfortunately. Donald, you and I were aboard the lane train against UK, and Ian, you beat us with the Duke pick. Uh, Virginia Tech did not cover, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but I think everybody hit. Did everybody hit on their locks? Uh, no, I I you, missed you, Oklahoma. You missed Oklahoma. You hit on you hit on LSU. But so what, where did we have, where did we have the line at for Cincinnati? Because I bet it at and a half. You had it at twenty one and a half. So that did not hit. They won by twenty one, but I actually bought that point down, and they won Smart. by twenty one. Okay. So I won money, but I guess on this, yeah, we don't we don't buy points though. We don't buy points on our picks now. Can I ask, uh, like, real quick, just like where your loyalties lie? Like, yes, you won money, but you like for me personally, I would have been livid. Like, I would have been more mad that I lost on the spreadsheet. I was pissed. I lost on the spreadsheet. I should be ten and eight. Yeah. Actually, D. Yeah, you're you're ten and eight. You're not nine and nine. I I missed that one. So you're 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 with no, me. No, no, no. You've t- you might wait. So what? I'm eight and ten. I'm eight and eight ten. Eight and ten. Eight and ten. Oh, with me. Damn. Ian, you, you you are the you are the clubhouse leader at nine and nine. Let's go. This is a new feeling for me. Wow. Yeah, yeah, feels good. Feels real good. Hey, it, after, it after taking the flack I took for the USF week, I needed this. That's Just right. for uh, you, my own my own credibility. Good response. I think it's important for guys. I like guys who make the next play. Don't dwell on the past. So good, good, for, good for you, Ian. All right, this week's slate, we're going to be picking uh, Notre Dame, uh, Florida State going to South Bend to play Notre Dame. That line will be minus twenty and a half. Uh, Virginia Tech going to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina. That 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 line is North Carolina favored by three and a half. Miami traveling to Clemson. Uh, Clemson's favored by fourteen and a half. We will also be picking the Red River Red River rivalry this week. That's a neutral site game. Oklahoma favored by two and a half, um, and then the Volunteers traveling to Athens to play Georgia. Georgia favored by twelve and a half, and then I'll, oh, as always, 
Um, everybody will get their their locks of the week, uh, lock of the week picks in. Um, all right, fellas, anybody want to start with Notre Dame? My favorite by 20 and a half. Donna, you go. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like I said earlier, this is a culture game. I could see the Irish starting out slow, knocking the rust off. Uh, you know, they've Florida State has played, uh, you know, in the last two weeks. But I think it's a game that almost starts out a little closer than it should be, but the Irish aren't really truly threatened here. They start pulling away. I think it's honestly maybe a seven-point game at the half. I think, you know, we might be feeling a little sketchy. But I think the Irish start to pull away in the second half. We hit some big plays. Chris Tyree busts off a long run. I think Kevin Austin shows, you know, why there's been so much hype behind him, even in limited snaps. I have the Irish winning 38-14, so that's a cover for the Irish. So I'm I'm with you. There uh, there could be some rust there, but I, I'm not as convinced that we'll come off as slow. I, I don't think Florida State is going to be able to put up that many points. Um, so from a, co- a cover standpoint, if I think if we get to 35, we cover, um, and I think we should be able to get to 35 over the over the span of four quarters. Looking for uh, looking for our guy BK to not be a nice guy, like you said. You know, put that leather jacket on and come out firing. So I think I think we win 40. To seventeen, which is actually which is which is a cover for sure. Um, I'm I'm pretty confident in this twenty and a half. And I, I last time we were twenty point favorites, I went the wrong way on this, and I'm never going to make that mistake again. So yeah, we cover that twenty and a half. Yeah, I got us covering twenty and a half as well uh, with ease. Uh, I think they win by four touch. I think Notre Dame wins by four touchdowns, thirty eight ten. Look for Notre Dame to force some turnovers against a young quarterback and a pretty bad offensive line. Um, and like I said before, I think we're going to run, run for north of 250 yards, um, and, and do it and do it pretty easily. Um, would love to see book put a few up, uh, as well. And just, and, and, and kind of, kind of step on the gas a little bit from him, from his perspective. I don't, I don't think he needs to throw the ball 30 times, but in the chances he does get to throw the ball, be accurate, uh, be confident uh, and connect, connect with some, with the receivers for sure. Um, but I got a 38, 10 win for the Irish. They're covering, uh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt in my mind. Um, and for sh- uh, just for all the betters out there, if you get it at 20 and a half before this one moves, I'm shocked it hasn't moved already. Uh, the line open to 20 and a half hasn't moved yet. Um, but if it climbs over 21, just in case, uh, it'd be good to get it, get it ahead of time. So what is the over under sitting at right now? Just curious. I have to, let me do a, a quick check. Sorry. I did not have that number. Uh, up. I guess it's probably 56. Fifty-one and a half. Interesting. That's kind of low. So that, I think that's so. Really that's low. right at that's right at my thirty-eight fourteen projection. I would go just because I expect my. I, I'm staying away from it. I don't. I don't think I'm going to touch it. But just because I see Florida State's offense being pretty stagnant, not being able to move the ball, um, and seeing Notre Dame, you know, watching them take a few long, long drives, long possessions, marching down the mm-hmm. field. Uh, I would. I don't see. A, I don't see a, necessarily see a scoring fest here. Um, so I'd I'd pick the under if we were picking it, but um, but yeah, that's a, that's that's tough. That's a tough play right now. I think. All right, next game, uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech Hokies going going to North Carolina to play the Tar Heels. Tar Heels are favored by three and a half. D, who do you have? I got Virginia Tech. I'm also going to throw some money on the Virginia Tech money line. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, or we mentioned it earlier. UNC just wasn't 
impressive uh, going against Boston College and the Boston College team that had struggled the week before against a bad Texas State team. Uh, Sam Howell's good. I don't think he's great. I think he is a little overhyped from his freshman year coming in. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, they're a team that has been impressive just pounding the ball down people's throats. You know, they didn't cover against Duke, but once again, this is a team that's recovering from a ton of people out from COVID. They're still just finding their stride. I think they make big strides this week. I think they beat UNC. UNC is not a tough place to play. I don't think, you know, that factors into it at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is probably a little bit of a sucker line. Um, letting it just just be three and a half and baiting us a little bit. Um, but I'm a, I'm a sucker. So I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech to cover. Because um, I'm with you, Donald. They're just, they're just an unimpressive team right now, that North Carolina team. Um, and, yeah, Sam Howell was a little overhyped. And I, I think Virginia Tech should keep improve, improving as they continue to get guys back. So I think I would also maybe sprinkle a little bit on the money line. And I'm, I'm comfortable with uh, Virginia Tech. Laying three and a half there. Yep, I uh, I completely I completely agree. I'm on I'm on Virginia Tech. Uh, I think I think they win this game. Um, like so, agree with Donald. That would be my money. That would be my money line sprinkle for the week. Um, I think Hendon Hook is really good. I've been more impressed with what Virginia Tech's been put up. What Virginia Tech has put on the field um, than I have been with what UNC has put on the field. Um, I think that UNC is going to have to prove to me um, that they're a real football team before before I put my before I put my money behind them. Um, and for that reason, I'm going with the Hokies. So the, lock, lock, UNC right another, now, they're like eight in the country. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if those rankings don't meet a ton right now, but uh, and that, that seems way too high for me. They are pretty, they are pretty high. No, I think, I think that's a bit of a, I'd pick more than half the SEC to be Carolina right now. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I'd agree. All right. Next game. Uh, another ACC game. Uh, 7.30 kick, I believe, match up with the Notre Dame game. Um, but Miami at Clemson. Uh, Clemson favored by 14 and a half. Uh, that number is interesting. But what do you guys think? Slev, do you want to uh, you want to go first since you've been getting the, the rear end here? Yeah, sure. I, uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take Clemson um, laying the 14 and a half. I wish it was 14. Um, when I when Saturday rolls around, I wouldn't wouldn't put it past myself to buy the half point or to buy the full point to bring it down to 13 and a half. But for now, I'll still take Clemson uh, at 14 and a half. I think they're, uh, I think they're in a league of their own uh, in the, uh, in the ACC. Um, this could be a, this could be a pretty good wake up call for, for the Miami Hurricanes as well. Um, but we'll see. I think the, the last two games that these two teams have played have not been close. I think that uh, Clemson's put up almost 40 points in, in both games. And I think, I, I think I can see them doing it again. Uh, first time they'll really get a real, real opponent here, um, and I could totally see, uh, I could totally see Trevor Lawrence just absolutely turning it on, uh, especially at home. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think this is the game we haven't really seen Clemson get rolling yet. Um, this is a Miami team that they really haven't been tested that much either. Let's be honest; they played Florida State, and once they blew Florida State out, that's one. Everyone got really hyped up again against them. I think Clemson does have the speed on defense. Uh, I think they'll be able to get a lot of pressure against Derek King. It'll be interesting to see how he deals with it. But I'm with you. I I have Clemson in this game as well. I just think this is you know when was the last time you know Clemson 
really came close against an ACC team that wasn't one of those, you know, random games against Pitt or Carolina. When they're playing a team that's, you know, threatening them, Clemson likes to put their foot on their throats and really put them down. I think that's kind of one of their identities that's brought them to the top of college football recently. I think it's no different this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with I'm with all you guys right now. Um, I think Miami's about to run into a sleeping giant. Um, as much as I would love for Miami to hang in this game just to show that Clemson's beatable, um, I mean, if Miami was un- – if they weren't undefeated, then I think they'd have a better shot. But Clemson's going to be ready to go. It's a primetime game. Dabo's going to have his boys up for this one. And uh, I think, like Dono said, they're going to they're gonna try to – leave a stamp um, on the ACC and, and the rest of the country and just kind of alert everybody who they are. Um, and as we've seen in the Trevor Lawrence era, the games that they get a little bit tested in are the ones they don't expect to get tested in. But when anybody's tried to test them, whether it's Bama or, you know, a Miami team, Clemson just absolutely rolls them. So I think that is kind of what we see again. Um, and I don't think it'd be absolutely crazy, but I think it, it should cover that 14 and a half. Yeah. I uh, I think we're, we're we all agree on that one as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if we get some differentiation here uh, for the last few. The next one we're going to uh, the Red River rivalry: uh, Texas versus Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma favored by two and a half. Uh, who do you guys like? Yeah, maybe Ian. You want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, God, these teams suck, as we said. I just like. <laughs> <laughs> I think this will be a really fun game to watch just because it's Red River rivalry and there should be some points on the board. Neither of these teams know how to stop anybody at all, but I trust the Texas offense more so than I trust the Spencer Rattler and kind of misfiring Oklahoma offense right now. So I'm going to go with Texas to win, but honestly, if they were favored, I probably would pick Oklahoma to cover. Um, but I just like this. I think it's kind of a pick them and Texas being the underdog here and, and, and given points, I'm going to go with Texas. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Ian here. You know, I, you know, I kind of want to pick against him just because, you know, I need to make up some ground in standings now, but honestly, this is Spencer Rattler's first Red River, Red River rivalry. Um, it's, you know, it's a huge game. There's not going to be, you know, the split stadium in terms of fans, but he has experience, in this game, he knows the magnitude of this game. I also think Texas is the best team Oklahoma's played in their one and two. Uh, so I think, you know, as long as he can get the ball to his weapons, as long as his offensive line gives him time, I think that I think Texas. This is another game where I might you know put a little sprinkle and put a little money line parlay, try to win some money there along with VT. I think I think that's a really smart play, Dean. We might be we may, we might be on that together. Uh, I'm going to take the Longhorns as well. Uh, I like them to. I like them to win the game outright. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of difference between the Texas and Oklahoma. Pretty poor defenses. Um, pretty good on offense, but I think that you know te- Texas is Texas is pretty close to winning that TCU game. Um, and you know, if, if it's not for a fumble on the one yard, if it's not for a fumble on the one yard line, they probably punch it in and score. Um, my biggest, I think, the difference make difference in the game is is Sam Ellinger versus Spencer Rattler. Uh, I trust Sam Ellinger more. I think I actually think Sam Ellinger is better than Spencer Rattler. I've not been impressed with Spencer Rattler, um, uh, and for that reason, I'm going with the Longhorns. Uh, uh, horns up, I guess, in this case, uh, and I like them on the money line as well, not just to cover the two and a half. 
Um, so we're all locked up on that one again, aren't we? Yes, we are. We are, we are Jesus. all locked up. Looks like my, my lead is safe right now. Well, I would we hope got it together on Saturday, so at least we know. I would hope. I would hope that. I would hope that it's, this is a great minds thinking alike. Um, yeah, exactly. and we don't get absolutely killed because this could get ugly. This could be an absolute bloodbath of the podcast. Okay, last game we're going to pick together: um, Tennessee going to Athens to play the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia favored by twelve and a half. What do you guys think? Don't know. So, this is a game that, uh, you know, I, I say how impressed I was with Georgia's defense. Uh, but in that game, you know, I was just as unimpressed with Auburn's offense. You know, it seems like Gus Malzahn is uh, always trying to fight for his job, always struggling till he beats Alabama or he has a really good year. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't see the ton of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball for Georgia that I've seen in the last few years, especially at the running back position. I think this is a game they're going to have to run the ball a lot to win. But I, I don't know. Something just tells me Tennessee in this game. I think it's a weird SEC game. I don't think there's been enough weirdness involved with Georgia. This is a game that we've seen you know, end on Hail Marys and you know, super weird plays like that. I think this is just one of those games in the SEC East every year that's weird. And I think 12 and a half points – for no other reason other than this is weird. I honestly have not sat down and watched Tennessee other than a bit against South Carolina, which they did look impressive. I think they can move the ball in this Georgia defense. I think they have a better offense than Auburn does. But this game's weird. I got Tennessee at least covering 12 and a half. All right. Ian? Yeah, I'm going to go the other way, finally. Um, and this <laughs> – when I – when. Donna went against Georgia last week. It went well for me, so I'm going to ride with the Bulldogs again. Um, the defense is so scary, and they're just absolutely flying around the field. Um, and, and I do think they'll start to get the offense going a little bit more. Um, I think Tennessee will be able to score um, more so than we saw Auburn score. But, I mean – they're just going to have such a tough time hanging, I think, late in this game. And I think uh, maybe a late score pushes the Bulldogs over that cover line. So I'm going to take the, the Bulldogs minus 12 and a half. Um, Ian, we're, uh, we're all locked up for our five picks. Let's this go. I uh, too, I too will be taking the Bulldogs. Despite what I said earlier, uh, I still think the Tennessee's a good team. And I think that they'll be able to hang with Georgia a little bit, uh, a lot better than Auburn will. Um, I just think that Georgia at home, um, I think I can just see them getting, getting a late score. Um, that lines that lines in a tough place right now. Um, I don't I don't love it at that spot, but I, I think I'm still going to I'm still going to take the Bulldogs laying the twelve and a half, hoping that uh, maybe some field goals uh, might be the difference there. All right, fellas, you know what we uh, this you know what we should have done for the Red River the Red River rivalry, yeah, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, we <laughs> should we should have picked the over under instead of the spread on that game. Yeah. It's sitting at seventy two yeah. and a half. I love that. That's how I get my day started. 72 and a half. That's a high. Yeah, number. yeah, that's absolutely that. a, that's an over for sure. I love getting my day started with points though. That's uh that's awesome. Yeah. Is it an eleven o'clock game? Or a twelve uh, or noon game? Noon game. Noon, noon I think eleven 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 Dallas or is, I think the game gets played in Dallas, right? Yeah, okay. Cotton Bowl usually. At the Cotton Bowl, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's eleven eleven local kick. So it's weird how many points get put up in a game in an eleven local kick. All right. Locks of the week. D? 
I can go first. Um, so I'm looking at spread right now. I was looking around ACC games. Uh, this team has won me my only, I think, real – well, I guess week one we just did two games around the country we liked. Uh, this team has won me my only pick from the, I guess, lock of the weeks that I think I've won. And that's Syracuse, and that was them hitting an under. And they're playing Duke this week, sitting at 51 and a half. Uh, having watched teams played, I don't see where the offense comes from for either of them. Uh, Syracuse actually did a good job holding North Carolina's offense down. Duke obviously held us to 27. Uh, I just don't see enough points in that game. I'm taking under 51 and a half. Uh, D, where is that game? Is it in, is it in Raleigh or is it, it in it is in, uh, It's in New York. It's at Syracuse. All right. Awesome. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. Ian, what do you, what do you like? I mean, honestly, if it was an option to go, I would probably go the Red River rivalry over, but I guess that's we already touched on that game. And I also I think R20.5 is also a lock, but my lock is going to be the pick that I feel least confident about on this board. I'm going to go with the Florida Gators going in to, uh, to, going to Texas A&M and uh, going to Aggieland and giving 6.5, laying 6.5 points on the road. But I'm still going to go with Kyle Trask. Um, I think A&M might struggle to bounce back after getting pushed around by Bama. Um, and I think Kyle Trask is going to try to add to his Heisman campaign a little bit. So I think Florida puts up some points in that game, and uh, I think they can win by a touchdown. All right. Uh, Ian, so we are completely locked up across the board this week. Bang! Uh, probably not very exciting, but oh, we boy. will – Slevin and Slevin and Waller will once again be sinking and swimming together. I thought this pick was a no-brainer. Uh, Texas A&M has been lackluster at best thus far. Um, I've been pretty unimpressed. I see the Gators rolling to College Station um, and and uh, and winning this game pretty pretty handedly. Um, I think six and a half is a pretty low number. Actually, I think I would I would have taken this. I think I would have taken the Gators at, at ten. Um, so I think this is uh you know hopefully don't make me hopefully the Aggies don't make me eat my words here. But uh, I think Florida. Florida winning by winning by six and a half, winning by a touchdown is uh, is a no brainer in my book. Wow, that makes me feel so much better, Slev. Ian, we are completely locked up across the board. <laughs> Let's go. So, um, I'm All happy right, with that. I mean, my my lead is generally safe right now. Yeah, pretty pretty safe. I just gotta hope I hit the lock. Hope I hit uh, volunteers. I got you. But yeah, yeah. Is that all we have for the week? I think so. Maybe next week we can ask the fan. Maybe we can ask the fans if they if they have suggestions for game for games that they'd like to see us pick too. I mm-hmm. uh, know we, yeah. we pick we pick we pick the big names, but uh, we would love to hear some of their. We also their, uh, may want to think about a guest pick, or maybe bringing our guy Retro Sports guy on to uh, pick some games. Yeah. Or if if one of the listeners out there I've, wants to be a guest picker, um, maybe submit your application. Uh, I think we have social media I, platforms. I think we have a have a bit of a short list. I would love to get grab a guest guest picker on. We'll change change up the graphic a bit. That, that's yeah, okay. can we just 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 plug our social media real quick? Uh, Bald, bold, and gold on Twitter and Instagram. Um, get that follower list up, and uh, we're doing big things. What are we at? Three hundred thousand followers right now. Roughly, yeah. Okay, yeah. Quickly <laughs> rising. All right, fellas. Quickly. Hey, cheer, hey, cheers to a great weekend of football. Yeah. Cheers to a great weekend of football. See you, boys. Go Irish. <laughs>